previously, previously on the Game On Podcast. And obviously then coming back to Adelaide Lightning um, and then moving on to Sydney and then, like you said, Athens, and you did speak about Jan Sterling there and, and being a very vital um, cog of that. But, you know, obviously you're a little bit older, a little bit wiser. What are some of the takeaways from from that experience, obviously, being the elder statesman of the team? Yeah, that was the generation gap was happening, that's for sure. I think I was nearly closer in age to Jan than my next teammate because, um, you know, I played through to I was 36 and most of my teammates were in their, in their 20s by that point because my other, sort of everyone else was retiring around me. But, yeah, no, I, I think Jan was great there too because she, um, as you got older, you know, she would let you have you know an extra day off or an extra session off, um, you know, because she knows that we're doing the work away from the program, but to also rest our bodies a little bit. So that was really appreciated. And yeah, and I guess you do get wiser as, as you get older and um, yeah, you just rely on your basketball IQ and, and everything. And then you're just hoping that you're helping the young ones come through as well. I, I think that was, as you get older, I think that's one of the great pleasures is you know having the rookies that come into the team and, and being their mentors. How different was Sydney though as an experience mm. compared to the other Olympics, Rach? Well, the the best thing is that your family can afford to come. So yeah. I had you know mum, dad, all my siblings, yep. so many friends and family. So having that support in the stadium was amazing, and just being able to see them in your days off. Um, so that was huge. Everyone was in such a great mood in Sydney. Um, I can't wait for Brisbane and people to experience it at again. Um, and just the home court advantage. You know, we played in the, the Dome and then the Super Dome and, and just selling out and in, in front of such parochial crowds. You just can't beat that. And, yeah, just the support that fellow Aussie athletes give to each other too. I think we do that so well compared to other nations. So, you know, I love how... Laurie Lawrence was gate crashing yeah, yeah. everything with athletes. <laughs> I know they didn't let that happen in Rio. I think they nearly got arrested for getting in without tickets, but they were the good old days when you could do that. Um, you know, the security wasn't quite as um, strict. So, no, amazing. Oh, I, I can give and- you a couple there. Um, one of my best mates, Danny Hansen, found a media pass in a bin outside the MCG. No. He used it <laughs> no. for everything. So this was about three years before the Olympics. Yep. So he used it every grand final. Anyone, he'd just get, say the grand final starting at three, yep. he'd walk in with a clipboard one minute to go and that, <laughs> rush in. Opening ceremony, closing ceremony, oh. Kathy Freeman's 400 basketball. No and at that stage, another uni mate, David Gordon, was going out with Alison Peak, And so Gordo put... <laughs> Danny Hanson and Brett Dutchkin, a few of the boys' names down on the door. So not only did he not pay for anything all week, go to every event virtually, he didn't pay for a drink either. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Wow, that was very fortuitous. And oh, don't worry. The, the involved with uni guys, they, they could manage to drink eight days a week with, with having no money. Yeah, they're pretty incredible <laughs> in a lot of ways. So. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis. 
cricket and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete once again. Malcolm joining me and uh, Rach there. We had to put that story in. We've had some previous uh, guests where we do play a little excerpt from the interviews. Bit of a funny moment, but I think that one there so far takes the cake. Yes, uh, Danny Vaudemir Vaudemir Hanson. Very funny, very fortuitous, intelligent, take advantage of any situation. Yes, as I said, the... uh, Uni boys, it's uh, very good at that side of things, and and we greatly appreciate Rach. She was fantastic. Look, being honest, took out of our comfort zones, out of cricket and footy, and uh, great to have a different sport represented in that way. Like we have had bowls and soccer yes. and all that, but as a guest, um, yeah. So it was really appreciated of Rach. And, and, yeah. Such a well credentialed uh, guest as well. Yeah, um, you know, talking about obviously Sydney. It was a great Olympics, but for her to be involved in it and it's fond memories and, yeah. and yeah. you know, absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, once again, we thank Rach for her time. All right, let's get into it. Around the grounds. All right, today we're going to talk a little bit of tennis. Uh, Jordan Thompson doing some very good things, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. Some news a little bit on the AFLW. The soccer, obviously, very, very important at the moment, but we'll kick off like we always do with the AFL. We might start with Port Adelaide here today, and the Sam Pell Pepper bump uh, is right where we've sort of been ever since we sort of started the show with concussion and all those sort of protocols, and we've had our guests on that have talked about it. It just it's sort of come at the wrong time, really. I mean... Well, I don't back. know what to say about it, to be honest with you. I'll go back on typical you know, Adelaide supporters defended Shane McAdam last year. And I said, no, no way. It was dumb. All right, I'll go on the power pepper. It was freaking dumb. Absolute unbelievable that in the era now, the day after Angus Brayshaw has been forced to give well, it away because we, of concussion. We will talk about that, yep. Extraordinary that he chose to bump. Yes, you can say he's unlucky, and look, he may he probably save Rioli a, a suspension because he, Rioli probably would have gone for, for a sling, sling tackle. Yep. So it was a bit of irony there, but it was just dumb. Tackle. Yep. Don't bump. We know that by now. The fact they've sent him straight to the tribunal suggests more than three. I think he'll get four. I think that seems to be yeah. the consensus going around that it will be four games. Yeah. Um, you're right. The The situation didn't sort of lend itself to either player, or uh, well, all three players really, uh, that Rioli slung him. Pal Pepper sort of looked like he lined him up a little bit, but he needed to stop really no, at the end of the day. There was no duty of care. Yeah. And, and – Pendlebury speaks about that openly. Now, you think he's been playing since Adam and Eve were sharing apples, and he's gone through the whole diameter of the change of everything where, mm. you know, he's been there when it was pick the guy off and, yep. and you know, like Rue flattening um, Kemp. Uh, Kemp at Footy Park yes. and things like that. We know that's all gone now. And he said the players are aware on the duty of care and, our pepper just showed none, and he'll face he'll get the consequences. And look, 
He could even get five. Yep. So let's wait and see. Do we see him serving any of that during the preseason? Well, he's, a, he's he's lucky in that way. That rule's only been brought in this year. That previously was not was not even a possibility. Well, so I suspect it'll be the next preseason game plus the first three. I think that's yep. probably what it'll be. I think that's probably a fair result at the end of the day in this situation. Um, now let's keep going on the concussion. Yeah, We're yep, waiting waiting to hear. Um, there's a lot of things going on at the moment with the whole bit. Will it be longer than 12 days? Will it become 21? Will it even become 30? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes. And I will touch base with Sean Tasker this week as well. Yep. Uh, look forward to hearing about that uh, or his comments or maybe yeah. even just getting him on briefly just yeah. to sort of uh, touch work, base with him. i uh, work that out with Tasker. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do we attribute a little bit of this to a showdown that heightened emotions, players looking to get off on the right foot? He's now in the leadership group. Is he trying to stamp his authority a little bit? I don't know. Is it the perfect storm that you don't really want to be playing your your main opposition first up? Ironically, it actually goes the other way because the players are lectured down to the nth degree. Port Adelaide internally would be filthy with Yep, absolutely spewing for being an idiot. Yep. So it's it actually goes the other way. Yeah. You, you impress the leadership group by thinking clearly and doing the appropriate action. That was the opposite. Yep, pickle. We'll stick with concussion. So we'll, we'll skip along to our fourth yep. point: is that Angus? Yep. And you did mention it yep. before that Angus Brayshaw was forced to retire. Um, I think we sort of both agree that the Maynard collection of him was a bit of a football incident, but yep. Brayshaw didn't brace and, yeah. you know, it was some of that attributed or could has some of that had been attributed to his previous concussions where... Oh, no that- doubt. No doubt about that. But it's actually ironic that it's it's really unusual nowadays to see someone playing who doesn't protect himself and leave himself wide open. And not just a main one. It's happened previously mm. where you'd watch Angus Brayshaw and you'd cringe and you oh, for goodness sake, turn. Paddy McCartan, a classic example. Yeah. Uh, t- Kurt Tippett. Peter Coleman, Adelaide Uni. Mm. Um, I'll send that through to PC. He'll <laughs> laugh at that. Absolutely. Um, in terms of, of that, and he just, it's a very hard thing to coach too, but, but normally kids pick it up from playing an early thing. And he's in a football family. Like he's got other members, and he's the only one. So it's just really ironic yep. out of that. But that, that's what I'm sort of saying so. is it doesn't lend itself to that his previous concussions and what we've known about how the the brain works, I suppose, yeah. with the CTE of players that have obviously donated uh, for research in that, you know, there is greater risk-taking, lowering of inhibitions, lowering of, you know, your surrounds around you. Is it a case that because he's had so many of them that it's basically left him wide open in this case? And it was a bit of I a think freak accident as well. Yeah. You know, it's I, a perfect I, storm. I do think it's partly – it's. Probably a contributing factor of all of it, really. Yep. So, yeah. And then that leads us on to the point that, like you're saying, that the word around is that a lot of association club based are going to go 21 days no matter what. Mm. The AFL may not follow suit this year, but they're certainly going to be putting in place for the following year. That it still may happen this year. We've yeah. got to wait. So, yeah. got to wait. So, the consensus seems to be that way. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll come back to Adelaide in a minute. We'll talk about the Port Adelaide and the Adelaide trial games. Um, sort of. Balancing itself out over six periods, uh, all equal after four, which 
seems to be the AFL sides played each yeah. other for the first four and then the SNFL sides yeah. or the second sides played each other for the last two periods. Takeaways from that game? Probably li- just little bits and pieces. I, I think Thilthorpe does look like he's he's uh, certainly filled out more. Looks probably a bit more imposing, ready to really take games by the scruff of the neck, not just be that handy bit player. Mm-hmm. Rankin and Rochelle and Peddler through the middle, you know, adding the desperately needed class because Adelaide is such a workmanlike midfield and almost carbon copies of each other. So they they change it up and it's really needed. Yeah, and Port probably their defence a little bit, but seem to improve a little. You know, Radagalier and and Alier and and Zerk Thatcher playing together for the first yep. time probably you know, adjusted a little bit more as the game went on. The general consensus was that it was a pretty high standard for a preseason game. Yep. So it, it, overall in that, it's probably reasonably positive for both, apart from Pau Pepper. I, I think, yeah. And, uh, and Kane getting injured. Absolutely, totally agree with you. I think both teams were itching for that hit out against some angry opposition, so to speak, and I think yeah. that they, they embraced it pretty well. I think the positives are probably a little bit more on Adelaide's side in that they are in that building phase of trying these yeah. uh, midfielders out, which then leads me on to, we'll talk about Adelaide today now, is that Thilthorpe, Rankin, Rochelle, uh, you know, showing a lot more midfield time. Which one out of those do you think is probably going to get the most midfield time this year? Peddler. Out well, of those, actually, out yeah, of we didn't three. add Peddler. Peddler yeah. three. I think he'll be the one. Yep. I think he's got, look, a lot of people are comparing him to, to, Macin- to Macintosh, I see a little similarity. Yep. Not too much. Gary was more the handball, open it up handball. And ironically for Macca, he probably his only thing he didn't do was kick the ball as much as he should have because he was a beautiful kick. Was he ever, yeah. But where Peddlers probably uses his leg more and similar kick to Macca, that penetrating left left leg, yep. uh, obviously doesn't open the game up. And let's be honest, he's not a great at the game yet like Gary was. So, yeah, but I do think there's positives there. I think he's the one where I think the others will still be a bit more burst through. Peddler loves a goal too, which yeah. is a good weapon for the Crows to have him rotating through yeah. there. I would, and and we've talked about this previously, I'd like to see Thilthorpe a little bit more on the ball. So would he, I. He's certainly bulked out a little bit, so there is opportunity for him not to get pushed around as much yeah. uh, in the centre. He's just got to want that contact. Yep. But I'm exactly. sure that's uh, been talked about over the preseason. Yep. I think it's exciting that you've you're building with a Rankin and Rochelle in the yeah. middle there, even if they are only pinch hitting at times. It does uh, lend itself to be exciting, and those guys can use the ball and finish at the same time. So, yep. Yep. exciting times there. All right, mate. Let's move on to cricket. Uh, Australia make it clean sweep in New Zealand in the T Twenties. Obviously, the Test coming up later on this week. A couple of close games there, but then a, a bit of a blowout at the end there. Probably the incredible thing was New Zealand's fielding. Uh, they had a disease and it wasn't catching. Like They dropped, I think it was 12 to 13 ca- catches. It was just amazing of some of the drop catches. So It's almost like the West Indies and uh, Pakistan all over again. Oh, it, was, it was a bit weird. They let Australia off the hook so many times. Yeah, so, oh look, I know I'm old-fashioned and yep. all that, but we've got a test match starting Thursday. No game beforehand, I still think's bizarre, but that's I know that's the modern way. Mm-hmm. It's never going to change again. I yeah, and personally on a twenty twenty bit, I yeah, I have a glimpse, but it doesn't win me yep. over. You know, yep. where Test match Thursday morning, 
And I'll be following big time. You're up yeah. and ready and, yeah. and raring to go. Yeah. Got the uh, couch and the, uh, the the bickies and the co- uh, cup of tea <laughs> ready to go um, early in the morning. But, no, definitely Australia there. How do we see Steve Smith? Well, I don't Is think he sort of great... finished? Oh, no. Well, it... not, no, sorry, not in the test side of things, in the T20s. Possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but again, I, yeah. Because you go for it from ball one, you especially their power play, that's now the way. that over, So the openers just tee off from ball one. Pretty easy to fail two or three, four, five games in a row and then make... Big number. Big number in three games in a row. Yeah, so yep. I'll take a leave that. Fair call. All right, we'll move on to the sacker, mate. Nielsen parts ways after another disappointing season. I know you wanted to talk about this one. Look, I think it should have happened earlier. I'll just leave it at that. Yep. Look, it's, I respect him, uh, work ethic and means well. Yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that, I think. Obviously, South Australia not quite currently sitting where they would like to be sitting, um, and this seems to be repeat each yeah. year at the moment. Some changes need to happen. Um, is this one lever that is a positive thing for South Australia? I mean, not for Nielsen, obviously, personally, but you know, you've got to look at the teams bigger than the individual, so to speak. Uh, do we think that this is a good lever that they've pulled? Yes. Just to start with? Yes. Yep. Move on. Uh, absolutely. Uh, WA, we've talked about WA yeah. being a, a little bit of a different uh, kettle of fish over there uh, in, in Western Australia, but they win the Marsh Cup three times in a row. They're certainly doing something right. They are. I've, I've got, I do have a bit of a beef with games starting at 10am where the ball does a fair bit for, just for that first hour. It's it. Karen Rolton's the classic in it. It's it's the toss is just so vital. Now it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It's quite ridiculous that the toss becomes so important. Yep. And it happened on Sunday in the uh, one day final, Glenelgan West Torrance. four for seventeen. Glenelg were early. Okay, good century by Bullimore, and they recovered to be two twelve to be competitive. Mm-hmm. But and then Harry Nielsen, the oh, Irish, makes a hundred. Yes. Sixteen not out, and that. Um, Great to catch up with Rob Zaddo. Hadn't seen Zads for a while and in there and I heard a voice call out. Uh, Payne and Boy? No, no, no. no? Zads was uh, originally Salisbury, Salisbury, then he was heavily involved at Tetra Gully as well. Yep. Just an icon of South Australian cricket. And uh, yes, you did see that there was no way in the world he was going to escape not buying a book. So, uh, fair yes, call. Yes. Um, obviously, South Australia will. will We'll talk about the Redbacks. Uh, we'll circle back to them. Um, playing New South Wales coming up. Um, what do we sort of expect here? Any positional changes or are we sort of going to go in unchanged or are we going to have wholesale Okay, I will be here? honest on this one. I'm absolutely stunned that Fraser McGurk's kept his spot. Norton won and the shots he played, I'm flabbergasted. I've got to be honest as coach on myself in that situation, whatever would have been, go get your bags, piss off, come back when you're fair income. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it, I, I can't work out. Tom Kelly's not playing. I yeah, There's some selections this year I have been flabbergasted with. In that case, and because of obviously the, the tyres getting pumped up a little bit over the last couple of weeks, oh. by some, some very, very good cricketers in their own right, is it a case that this decision may have come from above? And I don't like oh. to I don't like to throw it out there too much, but sometimes there are. I mean, yeah, look, I it just, feels that way. Look, he shouldn't. Have, I understand why he opened in terms of the previous ga- game. We'd been one for two after ten overs. So I get it. Let's play some shots at the start, mm-hmm. but he wasn't the right player for that. Um, 
So yeah, tactically, so, it's yeah, not look, quite right. Harry Nielsen played as a batter this last game, Shield game. He should have opened. Right. Um, yeah, look. And and the the irony about all of this is that Jake Weatherall's probably the key to maybe that little bit of stability as far as where everybody sits. because yeah. and he's it, sitting over in Tasmania. Tasmania, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we, we've talked about that one <laughs> back and forth quite a bit. Uh, and just to finish off on the cricket, England fail once again against India, proving too strong after a bit of a weird test in the end, and then Basball might be dead. Oh, look. <laughs> I, it's, isn't it ironic? I reckon most times we'd probably be barracking for whoever was playing in India in India. But I think most Australians were fed up with the, the moral bit with England. And even Stokes now is claiming things afterwards, and you're still shaking your head in, in disbelief. Like, I'm sorry, I will go back to the Ashes. If that had been an Australian who did what Bairstow did, we would have paid the crap out of him. Over there, it's still like, sort of like, no, he was okay. It was it was Kerry's fault in Australia. We're mm-hmm. garbage. You know, you play within the rules. And just, yeah, they've, they continue, I think, to throw things so much. And the moral line keeps getting done. And I think... All of this, right? Everyone's just shaking your head and thinking, where in the hell are you at? And Is it a worry? Still, well, I just think it's bizarre. They're still, I think, swallowing their own bathwater yep. and don't won't look at things logically and honestly. It's it's weird. Is it a case of being in the deep end a little bit too much and trying to sort of dig, Justify their, maybe dig, dig and, their way out of it a little bit maybe? Yeah, instead of, you know. And people acting like this baseball is a new invention. Playing attacking cricket, you think back the great West Indies sides with Haynes, Greenidge, Richards, mm-hmm. Richardson, Lloyd. That was done Australia with, you know, where Pont Hayden Langer, you know, Hayden and Langer occasionally were none for fifty off six or seven overs. Yep. So it's not it's not like this has never happened before, but yeah, it's we it's still got me beat. You adjusted the situation. And I don't think England are, do, are doing that. Well, I don't think a and lot if of you things. Think if, and you think if Australia hadn't been so stupid with the bounces, I think we would have won the Ashes pretty easily over there and with their own bathwater. Yep. You know, like the declaration on the first day and <laughs> things like that. Wow. Yep. Um, I'd love to see the statistics at the moment in test matches that are ending in four days. Oh. Um, because it just seems like at the moment everything's done in three and a half, four days at most. And I do, I think it goes back to modern cricket. You, you're not seeing anyone play a boycott-type innings, a Tavre, you know. Yep. And just get out and fight. An Alan Border, you know. Border, yeah. you'd think there'd be times where AB had bat, and you'd think afterwards, geez, I don't really remember any shots he played. And you've looked up and he's made 50 or 100 because he fought his ass mm-hmm. off. And, yeah, so I think we've lost that with the 2020 and... Well, that brings me back where to... Where cricket's at, where I'd love to see someone bat, just make an ugly 70 or 80. And probably goes back, even two years ago, I think it was, I I called through Karen Rolton to, and just happened to be going past and I had time to kill and before I picked my son up from his work. Yep. And there was a... The Scorpions were playing and it was during the Big Bash. And I actually said, and I actually said to a couple of people, Jesus, it's good to see proper cricket shots being played. And we're all going, yeah, you know, and I think we're all over that a bit. Mm-hmm. 
Again, I'm showing my age. No, but that's yeah. okay. It sort yeah. of almost reminds you a little bit of what AFL versus SNFL is. There's a there's a real contingent in the SNFL love watching the SNFL because you don't get those exaggerated rules or those exaggerated yeah, plays was... and and stuff like that. So, but with cricket, you're right. It's just it just because of the way the modern game has gone, you're just not seeing those long innings. Yeah. And because they're not playing warm-up games or a game beforehand to to refine those skills, it's almost like drop them in, almost like a drop-in pitch. Drop yeah, them in. drop and get on with it. Play. Get on with yeah. it and go, and yeah. you're off to your next thing. It yeah. just needs a little bit of finessing at the moment yeah. where, yeah, you're right, an ugly innings is, is a good innings. I think yeah. Travis Head probably did that a little bit uh, against the West Indies and Pakistan, but... Kerry yeah, he could have scored. done it. Yeah, and Kesh should have kept going. He yep. played a dumb shot to get out the first innings against the West Indies where he had the game on and he should have bunted that one for one. Yes. You know? So, yeah. And then yeah. Steve Smith, obviously, in the last test, yeah. you know, held his wicket and everyone else fell around just him. Needed he just someone needed else. someone to do exactly that. So, yep. very, very interesting. All right, mate. Uh, we've moved the SNFL up the ladder a little bit because we are getting closer and closer to the season. Round one is... Well, by the time this goes to air, it's only going to be 28 days away. Uh, I just renewed my membership today. So any SNFL fans out there, please get behind your club because they are going to need your support uh, financially as well as on the ground as well. Yes, I've done mine as well. Fantastic. Uh, Let's swing around to the SNFL. But this is sort of AFL-ish with the gather round Having a state of origin, SA versus Victoria. Obviously, Jade Rawlings being the captain there, but uh, coach, uh, coach, sorry, um, with that. But it's going to be played at the Bay. I think that's a good result for everybody. I don't mind that it's at Glenelg. I, I probably am a little surprised that the game's not at Richmond. In terms of, let's just say the club doing the doing it the hardest at the moment is West Adelaide, mm-hmm. and I think it would have been a good thing to support West Adelaide um, in that way. Look, what people say, you just go on a bit, the gathering at Nord and all that. People still don't understand the AFL requirements that Nord, because it's got the great, the two stands, that they tick off the corporate requirements mm-hmm. and things like that. Number of the seats. The media space versus, yep. and, and that, which other no other ground does. And no other ground's even remotely close, actually. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually been a bit interesting talking about that behind the scenes, learning a few things on Friday night. Mm-hmm. But Nord are the club which ticks ticks that off by yep. a long way. Yep. So, um, and people don't realise the media requirements, uh, corporate. So yep. anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I can see that, but I also the, see the point. Those sides will probably stay down at Glenelg, mm-hmm. so it is easier that way. So I can I can see that, um, you know the. the where that is. Yes. But I would have liked to have seen it at Richmond, but I understand why it's at Glenelg as well. Is it a case of Glenelg almost like the parade? You've got the shopping, the, the sort of retail, that, that strip along there. The, obviously, the beach I, is nearby. You, like you said, they can stay at the, uh, I think it's the more Grand the, Hotel. I think it's more the teams. Yep. Look, I don't think this game's that drawing has got that drawing power. I'm sorry, we as SNFL people carry on about state, but if you look through state games... They don't get big numbers. Mm-hmm. We can we can all say yeah yeah yeah, but look because this is in gather round, I think there's more going to be more people around. Like, I think in that way, this is a little bit unique. You actually might get a fair bit of Victorian yeah. support there, which you don't normally get. So 
Well, you sort of stole my thunder there yeah. going because a lot of the Victorians that came over last year were raving going, yeah. this is fantastic, a couple of games at a local ground, a couple of games up in the country, uh, obviously the Adelaide Oval, the state was just buzzing. So that's where playing at Glenelg does make sense, that you've then got the facilities down at Glenelg, the restaurants, pubs and all that. Yep. probably does make more sense than Richmond in that way. So I, I see that side of it as well. Yep. So. Yeah, look, it, it will be interesting to see what numbers they get. Okay, I'm going to... And it'll be interesting to have th- in terms of the support for Victoria. Yes. Yeah. Well, and for South Australia, yeah. really, because at the end of the day, we we want to kick a Vic, really, oh, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Here, I'm going to throw one at you. Did the AFL miss an opportunity to potentially turn it into a miniature carnival with maybe WA and, and, and Tasmania and that being involved in making it a real true festival of football and filling in some of those gaps in between games? Maybe. I, I, I think they'll probably want to see how this one goes. Um, I think there was potential to play a female side of it as well. Absolutely. I think that's probably more more the thing with, with me in that way. Yeah, keep yeah. It and that. So I think there's potential. Well, I'll see what this one does and... And then see what it is for next year. I can see a pretty big crowd at the bay, yeah, to be honest be, with it'll you. It'll be interesting. And the time slot sort of is quite nice too. I mean, there is opportunities there to play a little bit earlier in the day if you absolutely had to. Well, there um, may be a curtain raiser as well, is, yeah. the, is the word. So, yeah, yeah, fantastic. All right, um, SNFLW starts on the 1st of March. Yep. Uh, West v South, North, uh, sorry, Norwood v the Bulldogs, Woodville West Torrens v Sturt and North v Glenelg. You're going to be commentating? Yes, I'll be at the North Glenelg game at Thebiton at 6.30 on Saturday night. Yep. Ironically, I, con- I commentated North Glenelg last year um, at the Bay, so uh, at least got a little bit. And those two teams, North have traditionally been a, yeah, you know, they've won a couple of flags, been a power, and fell away a bit mm-hmm. last year. Didn't play finals. Glenelg are in a bit of transition, gone through pipe a window, then goes to the AFL, yes. which was always going to happen, well and truly. Yep, and we'll we'll be a very very good player at that level mm-hmm. too. Don't worry about that. Um, so they're in a little bit. So yeah, it'll be fascinating in that way. Glenelg's trial game form's been very good. I will go and have a look probably at Nord and Centrals on Friday on night, Friday night yep. as well. Maybe to sit by myself and try and pick names and numbers and commentate to myself. So well, that, that know, might be a bit different. I, I sort of got seconded when I did my membership today that, you know, come down on a Thursday night, there's an internal yeah. trial, come on the Friday night. And I'm like, look, I'll be there if I can possibly be there. But actually, it might pop along on Friday night and have a little bit of a look for sure and yeah. see if we can seconder a player or two to maybe come on the podcast, which would be fantastic, from the Bulldogs or Norwood. Yeah, I can probably work on that. Absolutely. True. And to finish us off on the SNFL, mate, Gazer's fate has been sealed. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a huge fine. Yeah, 186000 yeah. They've lost premiership points for this year and also player points. And uh, Look, to, just to explain that, that each uh, club has certain number of points that yeah. they can accrue to obviously pay certain players and all that kind of jazz. Um, but, yeah, they're getting a fair old whack. They have. Look, out of this, I'll make the point that I actually feel I'm not defending Gazer whatsoever. Like It's bloody stupid and all that. But to think they're the only club out there is probably naive. It, it generally happens when a player gets disgruntled, information then comes out mm-hmm. and all that. So I feel for them uh, a bit there. Um I have spoken briefly to 
to a gazer person about it and, and that. And, yeah, they're pretty obviously disillusioned and a bit worried and think they'll be lucky to only get one side if anything's here. And they have got an me- emergency meeting on Friday night. Um, so, look, I think we'll leave that at that. Um, it's it's a worry. You don't want to see any club go under. No. Yeah. So let's see that's my see That's my happens. worry, and I don't yeah. want to see them go under. I actually did play a little bit of juniors out there, so I do know the club reasonably well. I haven't been there for many, many years, but, yeah, I don't want to see them close their doors, that's for sure. Yeah, and because it's then juniors. It's the juniors who then stop playing. That's the last thing we want, but then you can't defend a club, you know. 233 breaches. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was huge, yep. so... All right, mate, we're going to take a very, very quick break, and I mean very quick break. And when we uh, come back, we're going to talk tennis, the AFL, soccer, and our past players, past legends. Stephen Rowe, part one. Hi, I'm Rachel Spawn, and you're listening to the Game On podcast. All right, mate, we continue with tennis. Uh, Jordan Thompson, like a fine wine at the moment, just getting better with age after winning his first singles tournament in Mexico and moves up the rankings to number 32, which is an eight-spot increase from the previous week. He's going like a bomb, isn't he, at the moment? So all the best to him. And, yeah, it's a renaissance uh, sort of thing in, in his career in general. And, yeah, fantastic. Obviously, Alex Dimonor still inside the top 10. Jordan Thompson, obviously, as we said, moving up eight spots. Alexi Popperin also moved up eight spots as well. Mm. Um, Purcell dropped a little bit, but I think that's symptomatic of him playing probably a bit more doubles at the moment. Uh, and O'Connell, uh, obviously, there uh, just dropping a couple of little spots there as well. So Australia in pretty good hands. Uh, Matt Ebden crowned world number one in the doubles. Yeah, look, he's been around the mark a for a man. while yep. and, a, and in that way. So, yeah, well done to Matt and, yeah, Storm Hunter around the market, number three as well. Ab- so absolutely. good news there. Absolutely. Uh, break point, just for those people that are keen to watch some of the background goings on of what happens in tennis. I know they did the Formula One series. I think they've done a little bit of a golf one yeah. or have put that together. They definitely did the tennis one and Breakpoint Season 2 is available on Netflix. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to take a little bit of a look behind the scenes and what goes on in some of those player boxes and trainings and all the uh, bits and pieces that go along with it, certainly take a bit of a look. All right, we move on to AFLW. Crows Ruck Coach steps down to focus on the AFLW program. Yeah, so Matty Clark says Sam Balderstone has uh, gone into the role there. Uh, wish Sam all the best there. If he can get Matty, if he can get uh, Riley right, O'Brien yeah, to yep. actually tap the ball and not just and actually palm and hit it, he'll be a genius and we might as well make him Prime Minister. Don't worry about just anything else. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you beat me to it. Uh, yes. Absolutely wishing Sam Balderstone the best there. Uh, Matty Clark, obviously, with the demands of AFLW that is starting to become really, at the end of the day, a full-time gig, yeah. uh, is going to obviously need that extra time to focus on the W program. Yeah, I'm sure he'll still be involved to some extent, but, yeah, it's probably just spread the workload a bit more and uh, Sam, you know, it only gone down to Glenelg last part of there yep. a bit and then steps there. So all the best to Sam there. Absolutely. Players to watch at your club, uh, Adelaide, uh, Brooke Bolognew and for Port uh, Shanae uh, Goody. Yeah, and Piper, Win- Piper Window. Piper Window, there yeah, as yeah. well for mine. Um, 
So, yeah, look, whilst the game progressed last year, let's just hope it keeps improving with the standard and keeps improving. I'm a bit like you and you've brought it up previously that I think they're missing a bit of a trick because at this time of the year, I think it would be yep. cherry ripe to be oh. playing. Um, that's part of the reason why I might head down to Nord on Thursday yeah, and Friday night just for a bit of footy. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, the Western Bulldogs appoint assist Melbourne assistant coach Tamara Hyatt uh, as four other coaches change clubs this year. So yeah, we wish her the best. On. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, we finish off with the soccer. Adelaide United go down two one against the Western Sydney Wanderers. Yeah, disappointing. It's nearly the end, really. Um, Sitting ninth at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, they've fallen away. Um, they get to play Wellington Phoenix away this weekend. Uh, and then the following weekend, they've got the old rivalry of Melbourne victory. Unfortunately, with one win from their last eight games, yeah. four losses and three draws, puts them in a very precarious position in ninth spot. Yeah, you wouldn't back them at the moment. It's you wouldn't tough. back them with Dennis Lilly and Rod March. Wouldn't take them at five hundred to one at the moment. It's, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a very very good point. When you start sort of relying on wins of other teams' percentages, you sort of start to know you're in a little bit of trouble. So. All right, mate, we're going to take a very, very quick break when we come back. Stephen Rowe. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Past players, past legends, past legends. Tonight we're pleased and proud to have Stephen Rowe on. Of course, five AA personality now, but previously twenty-seven games for South Fremantle, 85, 86, 185 games, two hundred and six goals for the Mighty Redlegs, eighty-seven to ninety-seven. Of course, uh, Nord Premiership player in ninety-seven, twenty-nine games for Adelaide, twenty-four goals, ninety-one to ninety-five. Uh, illustrious painter, mark of the millennium in the 97 grand final. Welcome aboard, Rowie. Oh, thanks, Malcolm. Thanks for joining us, Rowie. Um, Malcolm uh, mentioned there that um, you started in South Fremantle. Now, obviously, us South Australians are very passionate about South Australian footy, and you, you sort of forget that you did start over in F- South Fremantle. Just... And and also won the Jack Clark medal, yeah. which is the best player in the waffle Colts uh, in 1984. Yeah, look, I was I was born in Adelaide. Um, yep. My mum's side of the family are all South Australian. We moved back to WA. Oh God, I was about five or six. Lived in a little country town called Wagen. Um, and a bit like here, you have zones. My zone was the Upper Great Southern, and um, I got recruited to South Fremantle. Now, in my in my little batch, there was. Um, um, Mark Bairstow, Nicky Winmar, the Collard brothers, myself, uh, all the Matiras were all from that upper great southern region. He's so a bit it was, of talent there, Rowie. Oh, well, I was by far the worst of that bunch I just said, but, um, you know, there's a fair bit of talent in that, no question. Fair bit of pace competing against yeah. them too, Rowie, just quietly. <laughs> well, you know... Um, we 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 loved the sample growing up because we were indoctrinated. Um, yeah, you grew up in in Elizabeth Street, didn't you, Rowie? Before, I yeah, reckon, we yeah, did. Yep. Yeah, my my mum was actually Beulah Road that backed onto Nord Oval. She yeah. went to Nord Primary and then Nord High, 
Um, I went to Norwood Kindy, and then we went interstate, and we lived in Lotus Street, Paynham. So we're talking That's right. yep. heart, heartland, heartland Nord. Yeah. Well, obviously, red and blue was definitely in the blood from a very early age there. What, what colours are South Fremantle? Just remind me. Uh, we were the Bulldogs. So, so if you imagine Port Adelaide, which is the harbour um, yeah. town of here and yep. the most successful with the most flags, that was South Fremantle. Everyone hated us. We were south of the river. Our arch rivals was East Fremantle. Um, you know, my first captain was Stephen Michael. Uh, look, I still think the greatest player that's ever played the game. I'm biased because I grew up worshiping him, and then he was my first captain at South. So oh, I, I think when you're young, I think when you're young, you have a a hero worship of players more so than when you actually play with them. I think. But yeah, I did. I said to to Pete before we kept, when. And we were talking beforehand, before coming to air with you, and I said, Rowie's a big Stephen Michael fan, like I am Barry Robberon, and I knew you were Stephen Michael. Yeah, well and truly. Can, can well, you tell? Yeah. Sorry. If, 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 if you look at his record, just purely look at his record, his um, Sandover medals, his Simpson medals, best on ground in carnivals. Oh, he was a beautiful mover. He was a oh, fantastic God. player. Yeah. He um, Well, he, he rucked. And he would hit it to himself, grab the ball like a rover, bounce it, fend off like Dusty Martin, kick goals. Yeah, no, when he changed, or if you say rested as a ruckman, he rested as the centre-half forward. Now, you name another player yeah. that's done that. I remember my debut game. Um, I swapped with Wally Matera. You'd remember that yes, name? Yes, yep. Famous, uh, went on to play for the, the West Coast West Eagles. Eagles. Yep. And, and I said to T.I., his nickname was T.I., didn't stand for Thursday Island. You know what it stood for. Yep. Yep. I said, T.I., where do you want me to stand, as the Rover did with the Ruckman? And he said, well, don't stand there. And I said, yeah, but that's where you're hitting it. Yeah, don't stand there. And I realised <laughs> why he meant don't stand there, because if he hit it there and you are in the way, he'd just take you out, the opponent out, and everyone in his way. God, he was – in actual fact, ask Michael Ace if you do this podcast, yep. who hit him the hardest and who was the best football he ever played against. And he'll say Stephen Michael. Yeah. I will, I will ask Aishi on that regard and, and, and all that. So, Obviously, your your idol and he's your captain first up. I mean, that's a pretty special thing as well. Well, it was. Um, you know, you, you, you're goggly-eyed when you come to a, a, a league club, whether it's in the Waffle, the Sample, or back then, the VFL. And to think you end up playing in a team that had – these names might not mean a lot to you, but – Benny Vagona was as good a half. Yeah, he was pretty explosive. Yep, yep. Yeah, very explosive. Noel Carter was our centerman. Yeah, he played for Richmond. Good, good player. Yep. Oh, just you look at his his state record. Um, you know, then there was the young blokes that came through. Um, you know, the 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 Nicky Winmars. Um, oh, I said the Collard boys, all the Matiras. Um, John Worsfold came through with me. He played AFL. Yep. Scott Waters came through with me. He played AFL. Dean Irving came through with me, played AFL. Um, Alan Jakovic came through with me, played AFL. The era of the 80s, when Mal Brown was there, he set that club up for decades. Rowie, were you a chance to get picked up by West Coast? Well, they came in in 86. Yeah. Um, now, every every year we came over to, to South Australia, and every year we'd go and watch Nord if we were able to do it in the, the football season. Um, 
So so I'd always had in the back of my mind a dream to play for the Norwood Footy Club. My uncle, Barry Hughes, God bless him, he's no longer with us, was the accountant or the auditor for the Norwood Footy Club. Well, his company, Tilly Murphy Hughes, for 47 consecutive yes, years. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so that was yep. my link to Norwood. He was, um, well, I'm not saying he was good mates with Wally, but the executive all knew him, the board all knew him. Yep. Um, and that was my leak through, um, oh, what was the other accountant's name? Um, anyway, it'll come to me in a second. Um, yes, yeah, so what was the question? I've, I've lost my train of thought. No, no, just on chance of getting picked up by West, West Coast. Coast yeah. Yeah, I... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so when the West Coast formed, if you like, in 86, their first season was 87, they picked a squad. Um, now, the Rovers in my team were Daryl Hart, uh, not Daryl Hart, David Hart, who ended yeah, up playing yeah, both their premiership yeah, the back yeah, pocketer. Yeah. Wally Matera, um, the, the Dean Laidleys and all those sort of ones played for opposite teams. They had a breath of talent for Rovers. So I missed that inaugural squad. And because I missed that inaugural squad, that was my out to go to Norwood. Right. Um, and I took it with both hands. And so Wally obviously got you to Norwood? Yeah, well, sort of. So my brother and I uh, went to see my uncle. He lived in Berry on a farm. And on the way back, he said, look, if you want to play at Norwood, the bloke you've got to see is Wally Miller. Yep. He's in Wood Street, Norwood. This is his office. He drove us down. Uh, my brother and I walked in, knocked on the door. We said to the receptionist, can we see Wally Miller? And they said, well, you know, have you got an appointment? We said, yeah. no. Yeah. The yeah. door was open. Wally could hear. And the receptionist, I can't remember their name, said, so what, what are you Gail, That would have been Gail back then, I reckon. Might, yeah. No, I don't think it was. I think okay. she came a bit later. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think she came a bit later. And I, and we said, look, the West Coast of Form, I'm a rover. This is my brother. He's a back pocketer. Uh, we were born uh, in Norwood. My my grandma lived on that street there yeah. in that house. My mum went to that school. And that must have pricked Wally's uh, ears yeah. up. Yep. He walks out and says, come on in, boys. Let's have a chat. So he asked me a couple of questions. asked Paul a couple of questions. And that was it. Took our names down. That was it. And we thought, oh, well, nothing's going to become of that. Um, we went, obviously, back to... Um, to um, Fremantle. We rented a house together, my brother and I. I reckon it was no longer than maybe seven, eight, nine, ten days after, unannounced, we get a knock on the door. It was about eight o'clock at night, and it was Neil Baum. Okay. So Neil Baum's standing at our door. We knew who the hell he was. Yes. He didn't have any idea who we were. My brother answered the door. He said, Stephen, Barmy's here. And I said, come on in. He said, no, 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 I haven't got time to come in. I'm meeting a bloke by the name of Stephen Richardson. But yes. which one are you, Stephen? Yeah. And I said, well, that's me. He then goes, we'll have you, because Keith Thomas is going to Fitzroy. We need a, a midfielder. Or not, back then it was a rover or, yeah. a, you know, yeah. an on-baller. Yeah. On-baller, yep. But we're right for back pocketers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my brother pipes straight up and says, Barmy, no disrespect, but we're a package deal. Barmy starts to I don't walk. mind Barmy. that. Yep, good Barmy. on him. Barmy starts to walk down the stairs. <laughs> and I've kicked my brother and said, what in God's name are you doing, mate? He said, no, 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 we're a package deal. I said, Barmy, come back. You've got me. He, he out of the top of his pocket, handed me a bit of A4 paper, Wally Miller type, with what my contract would be. Right. Um, and I said, well, where do I sign? Two days later, I'm in a car driving to... Um, 
Nord. And, well, what's that? You know, 30-odd years ago. Right, I've got to ask, what happened to Paul? So he ended up getting sacked from South, going to East Perth, played another year, I reckon. Right. Um, And then we've got a family business, so he ended up, you know, running the family business um, with my my family. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, the ship sailed for him, but it only was just starting for me. Well, wow. Wally seems to be the architect of everybody oh, that we've yeah. spoken to from I Nord. Know, well, I know that. He yeah. has set up some fantastic deals, and that's that's another oh, great story, isn't it? Wally, Wally's, you know. Well, well, Wally's well I say to Wally, Cook, I fell in his lap. It was a throw at the dartboard. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm a Nord man, tick. Passionate about the club, tick. Um, he needed a midfielder. I mean, I'd played up to that point whatever games I did. He would have done a reasonable amount of homework, yeah, ran a yeah, few certainly people. Certainly would have, yes. He um he, he knew I was a competitive little bugger. Yep. And and it and it fitted. So yeah. And, but I had to there were no promises. I was on no money. God, when I found out what other people were on, I mean I played for nothing. And happy to because I was just happy to play for the jumper. And so you debuted for Nord then against Port in nineteen eighty seven. What's your fair, your memories of that game, Rowie? Do you know what, Malcolm? Don't ask me anything about games. I have, I have no review mirror. I have no memory. I don't even know. I would not know. I honestly would okay. know my first kick. You speak to a Rocket Maynard. He knows every kick, yeah, every position. Don't you think Rocket and I have done that over the years? Come on. <laughs> yeah, and, and and he had a photographic memory. Yes. I I just don't. I can't. I didn't even. You know what? I didn't even know it was against Port there. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll rephrase it slightly. Your first game was against Port Adelaide. Knowing that it was the arch enemies, how did you feel about that? Or had you well, been told that history. at that stage? Yeah. Oh hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. You get you get indoctrinated. Yeah. When I I lived in Wood Street Nord in the um, we didn't have Carmel Court then, but we had a poorer version of it. So my first three months I lived there. Then I got moved out with Craig Kelly. So there was Craig Kelly and I in a house um, in the street, Kent Town, when Nettie went to Collingwood, Mac and moved in. So we ended up having this bit of a, a half house. But make no mistake, I didn't need to be indoctrinated with the hatred for Port when when I probably watched the 84 grand final 20 times before I got to Nord. So I knew... I knew what the rivalry was, mate. Yep. No mistake. Yep. Yep. Pick, picked a good grand final to watch over and over again, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched it since this morning, actually. Um, <laughs> that's you you too, and me actually. both. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Rowie, then, so at Nord, you progressed. There was a little bit of frustration with lost prelim finals, that side of it, going, and going through. 1990, you have a great year. You win the BNF, you make the advertiser team of the year. And the crows are born. What's your me- what's your memories there then of ninety? Well, I remember the I remember the best and fairest night, and and about two weeks before that, there was talk about a um, a a combined South Australian team going into the AFL. Now, remember, I'd lived all of that yes. roll back to eighty six yep. yep. with the West Coast Eagles, and I was at South Fremantle. And and I'll never forget it. Bob Hammond was moving around the room during the count and after the count. He spoke to Rocket Maynard. He spoke to Tom Warhurst. I think he must have spent half the night with Macca. 
Um, yes, and I'm that. thinking, I'm thinking to myself, when's Bob going to talk to me? Well, he didn't. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm happy at Nord. Yeah. If that ship sails, and to be brutally honest, I, I I wasn't at the level. I had five years with the Crows. I just wasn't at the level, and I'm I'm comfortable to say that. I'm glad I did it. In hindsight, might have been better if I just stayed at Nord. And and Wally Miller told me that every year. I had one year deals for five years. Yeah. Every year, I sat down with Wally, and he said, "Mate, you're a Nord man. You're a Sample man. You're a Nord man. You're not AFL." Now, whether he can remember that or not, and I used to have, you know, great conversations with him. And to be honest with you, I probably should have listened to him. Um, the only great thing with those five years with Nord um, and the Crows is when I got dropped or not selected or emergency, and I was 68 times. Yes, yes. Five years. I yeah. think I still hold the record. Yeah. Mate, if there was four on the bench, I'm a 100-game after. Yeah, yeah. Was, that's actually not – I know you're mucking around saying that, but it's actually a fair bit of truth. Yeah. But so. anyway, it doesn't matter. We only had 22. Yep. But 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 when I got dropped, I couldn't get in my car quick enough to drive to Nord Oval. So it wasn't a kick in the guts for me. It was a, well, I'm going back to Norwood. Now, if if – and it's just a big if – if the setup was different and you got dropped and you had to play sample crows, that would mean diddly squat to me. So yeah. I'd be fiercely determined to stay in the ones team, if you like. Yeah. So so getting dropped, they were actually doing me a favour. Now you had a couple of coaches over that period there. Who who did you have and some memorable moments with a few of those coaches? Well, I went from Mel Brown, who was a genius before his time and should be on the AFL Commission, but that's another story. From him to Don Haddo, who was an absolute peanut coach, um, taught nothing, was one of the old school, my way or the highway, and ended up getting sacked the year after I left. So I go from not having a, 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 a leader coach, a teaching coach, uh, a coach that I respected, to Neil Baum. And it was like, I don't know. Chalk and cheese. Clipping a, clipping a fat girl and going out with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. It was like, you go from a, a bored lolly to a chocolate. I just love Barmy. Oh, his communication love... skills. That that was oh, that yeah. was his, the big thing. You know, you can argue tactically at times, maybe, you know, whatever, but his communication skills. And look, bro, while we're still on the subject of coaches... We've had Neil Craig on as a previous guest, and obviously I've spoken to Craigie a fair bit as well when I interviewed him for my book, my book and all that. He spoke glowingly of you. Now, let's also remember, bizarrely, Rocket Maynard sat on the bench under Craigie with Matty Robram one game. He never did that to S. Rose. So, he, Craigie, you are you got a massive tick from Craigie in terms of that in the, in that regard too, right? Well, well, I, I don't know. Then that's lovely to hear. But yep. he knows he knows how much I love that club, and love that jumper, and love playing for him. He knows that. Now that's by actions. So I go from Barmy to Graham Corns and Neil Craig in the same year, nineteen ninety one, and then from Craigie to Peter Rhodes, who my premiership coach. So a real cross section of coaches there. If you're talking the complete package. Uh, now, now, you could debate the tactics. Yeah. 
if you're asking me to pick one, it's Neil Craig. He was the most complete coach. Okay. He improved me. He taught me. He inspired me. He drove me. Um, he 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 was brutal, and I mean brutal. But he was able because he was clever enough to pull the right triggers with the right players to get the best out of them. I'm not saying Barmy didn't. There was a comfortability with Barmy. Yeah. Cornsey was different. Yeah. Craig was the complete package. Now I love Cornsey. Don't get me wrong. Cornsey's mm. record is unbelievable, mm. and he was very much old school as well. But yeah, I, I would have loved to see Craigie win that one of those O five or O six yeah. flags with with Nord. Um, there's one left on the shelf there. But and yeah. I think also in terms of Craigie that let's forget he actually got Macca to probably listen and learn, and that's not the easiest thing to have done. So I think that's, well, I'll tell you a story. A lot a of people might not. Yeah, a lot of people might not know this. And you don't like telling stories where you don't think it's in the public domain and the others that are involved in this um, get embarrassed about it. But I'm, I'm sure Macca will vouch for this. So whenever there was a big decision to be made, they generally trotted out Bob Hammond. Now, Bob Hammond, club great, revered, but he was no part of the club at that stage, not even on a committee. So Bob Hammond gets rolled in. We're out in the gym. Every player's sitting down. Now, we've just lost our premiership coach that we adored in Neil Barm. Yep. That's a massive set of shoes to, to fill. Would you agree? Oh, very much so. Yeah. Yep. We loved him. Yep. We heard rumours and innuendos as who it would be. And and if there's one thing Nord's done well is pick good coaches. You have a look through the journey. I think post-Crows, you know, there, there might be a couple there that you, yeah. you go, well, where are we? Um, and I won't name them. But Bob Hammond stands up and goes, players, here's our coach for 1991, um, former Nord player, blah, 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 Neil Craig. Well, there was a sigh. Because I reckon if it wasn't the last game of the year, it was the second last game of the year. Craigie was playing in the centre for North Adelaide and we hated him. Yeah. I mean, we hated him. And and Macker and he were fierce rivals, if you like, yep. on the field. Um, yeah, and 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 we'd heard rumours that it might have been Craigie. Anyway, Macker goes to Wally, if 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 he's our coach or 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 Bob, I I can't remember who it yep. was, well then I'm done. Yeah. And Wally, what it might have been Wally, and I hope my facts are right here. Well, Macca, if you're done, you're done. We pick coaches, you play. Yep. That's your call. Yeah, that would have been Wally, yep. 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 You know, the greatest, yep. I love him, player ever. Yep. So the first training session, and, and I was with Macca. He said, yeah. Are you allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. Oh, sorry. I thought we had to, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, Macca. Fuck him. Little fucking squeaky voice, little prick. He'd go get fucked. I'm not playing for him. I'm not going from Barmy to this buddy North Adelaide turncoat, you know. What do you think? You just got back in the Nord after he left us. You know, we're all of us. The the senior guys are all down that path. First training, and this would have got back to Craigie. No question about that. This would have got back to Craigie. No question. First training session and I was there. The first rule that Craigie said, um, 
fellas, we're going to be about discipline. We're going to be the most disciplined club. We're going to play the most attacking brand of football, and we're going to do it together for the jumper. So from now on, on the training track, not in the game, but on the training track, you have to pull your socks up and you have to tuck your jumper in. Now, why would a Craigie said that? Oh, you tell me. Well, he's setting standards right from the get-go, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, but I reckon that's aimed at Macca. Yep, keep going. Malcolm, yep. spot on. Yep. Yep. So yep. our captain, our revered great, yep. who, 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 who didn't want him to coach, yep. along with all of us, had to, on the training track, pull his socks up and tuck his jumper in. Macca played 370-odd games. Yeah. Jumper out, socks yeah. down. Did, yeah. did he not? Yep, correct. Yeah. So, so that was that was Craig saying, "Hey, I'm the big hen in the hen house." Yeah, yep. And he won Macker over, blow by blow, game by game, yeah. session by session, um, win by win, loss by loss. Oh, and well, not the easiest person to no. win over too, as uh, number fourteen. Well, I, well, I I don't know whether I've ever sat down with Mac on a fishing boat and talked about Craigie. I honestly haven't. Yeah. Um, and I don't know where he places him, but what I do know about Macca, he rates premierships over anything. Yeah. So yeah. we couldn't in five years. We, yeah. we we got to the grand final in 93 and got smoked, came from fifth. We thought we were going to be the history makers. Yeah. But met a, met a good team and, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, I, I will say, though, I do remember Macca with a, with his, you know, where he admitted that Craigie taught him to be more disciplined and that, you know, he wasn't helping anyone by when he got suspended. And I, I do think things did, you know, that he got through to the great one. So, yeah. And well, Craig- well, here's, here, here's my assessment. Again, I haven't spoken to Macca about this. If Macca's Macca, his history is his history. Yep. Pre, Pre-Neil Craig, so pre-The Crows, he's a dual premiership player. He, he, he'd, he'd won a McGarry but was suspended. Yep. Played sensational footy, played all that state footy, played for Australia, and 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 was revered. I reckon he played his best footy, and he did a knee and all of that under Neil Craig. Yeah, I, I, I reckon I'll, that's I'll fair. I'll debate that with yeah. I'll, deb- I'll debate that with Macca, and he'll probably end up hearing this podcast. If he had a Macca type, if Macca had a Neil Craig type coach earlier, oh my god. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. And and Craigie almost mentioned that himself in his interview with us. Yeah, that you know there was yeah. you know that when he was appointed coach, he was a bit apprehensive initially, but then no, let's get down to the to, to the job and job at hand. So I oh, admit he was very nervous. Yeah, to start with walking into Norwood. Well, he probably know, would have heard that. Yeah. Well, you got to exactly. remember, we we were bashing heads against each other. Yeah. Not what two months earlier. Yeah, and we know how well. Gary takes anyone leaving Norwood too and that sort of thing. And, yeah, so, look, full hats off to Craigie. And, look, you know, under under, under Bar, Barmy was – Barmy, I think, was a brilliant club coach as well. And and I'm talking all of us as supporters in that way. You think the old days, the Redleys club, then you're with us. And, and it was. It was – it's not the – the franchise sort of thing nowadays. It was but, a real club. But and, the modern-day you know, version of that is probably what Nathan Bassett brought back to Nord a few years yeah, ago, really, when you when you think about it. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair. But I, I, it's a little bit different. You think the crazy things we did as supporters and all that yep. back then, like, yep. Rowie, you and I walking out of the Marrickville one night and we see the 
esky on someone's tennis court. So we climb the fence and drink on their tennis court for two hours. Now, oh, now hang, on, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. There's a story there. We've oh. got to hear about this one, mate. Come on. Yeah, yeah Rowie and I might have had a couple that night. A couple of West Ends? Yeah, and it was quite a warm night. And Look, we, walked, oh, and we oh. just thought we just thought this person on the tennis court, that they, their esky needed that there was too, too much in it. And Rowie, Rowie and I thought we'd do the right thing. And a couple of hours Look, later, I we think, had done the right thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think we all have poor memories and we're all romantic at heart. Yes. Those first four years pre-crows at Nord were the best four years of my life. Yeah. And and there's no shade of grey about that. I had a home. That home was the Red Legs Club. Yeah. And after every game we went back there, it, it was the heart and soul of the club. We played together. We stayed together. Um, you know, we'd go to the Kenttown Hotel Thursday nights. Yeah. We had rules about going from there to the Nord, Nord Club yeah. after that. They were the best years, yeah. and and you can't emulate that. And, I do. And- I I do want to bring up one thing about that. It was a lady with various disabilities, and Rowie to say Rowie was her favourite player is a massive understatement. And Rowie used to put her in a taxi in the Redlees Club virtually every week. Would help her out of the wheelchair, carry her in, and all that. And that was a ritual for you, Rowie. That was never, oh, well. you know, every week. Uh, and all that, and that's what it was. It, we were, we were a huge family, and you know, some of the things, you know, we all did. Is but, but it was the players, we supporters, and you had your mates yeah. amongst the players, and we we're all part of it. Where oh, it nowadays great. it's more, a bu- you know, it's a business. It's 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 completely different. It's, you know, you've been through it with Jimmy, and in terms of that regard, we'll, we'll get to that. But let's let's keep kicking on, Rowie, in terms of. You did have some games, though, with Adelaide. You, you had 30 disposals against Essen in your second game, but you didn't have much luck. And then you did your knee and probably lost that little bit of pace which you desperately needed. And momentum, yeah. And that. So you didn't have much luck e- either there in that regard, Rowie. Oh, oh, look, I don't look at it like that, to be honest. Um, we had a We had a talented team at, at um, the Crows, you could always see those young ones taking over. You know, we had McLeod and Edwards and, um, you know, got Ben Hart, Mark Rusciuto, Sean Wren. They were the ones that were always going to end up winning the flag. Yeah. And, and you know, I wouldn't say I was unlucky. I, I, I was a rover. I really, that was the only position I could play. Played it all the way through yeah. my juniors to South. And at North, I could go forward and maybe sneak a goal. I wasn't a goal sneak, you know. If I was in front, I'd kick it. But I was a rover. I loved the art of reading a ruckman's hand, yep. getting it and then handballing it out to someone quicker and, and off they go. Now, I was up against a bloke by the name of Tony McGuinness, superstar. The other rover was Daryl Hart, Hart, superstar. Yep. Very good so, player. you know, if you have a look at that team, I'm not in front of any of them. No, that's true. I, yeah. I was probably lucky to get what I got. And I eked out five years there because I was probably the lowest paid. I was low maintenance. Yeah. When it, used to always say, Rowie, when I played you, you never let us down. Yeah. But he'd always drop me. Now, yeah. I would too. I've been the chairman of selectors in the state team yes. for 15 years. I know what selection process is. I know what roles are. And I know what tough decisions are to be. 
I'll get to if that. If Tony McGuinness is fit, Esro doesn't play. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, well, although roving to someone like Sean Renner would be pretty handy at most most clubs. Yeah, he look, we loved each other. I just actually just came back from Byron Bay. Um, he had a he had a shindang up there, um, and we used to joke about he would much rather hit it to me. There was a game. I reckon it was St Kilda at Moorabbin. I'm on the bench on the, the far wing. The ball up was in the back pocket and Freddie McGuinness was calling for it and Rennie hit it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can understand why he would have rather had you, had you anyway. as well, though, Rowie. Yeah, we'll move yeah. on from there. So but let's go to the, one of the great, the great man, the great days, the absolute cliffhanger, the 97 grand final where we absolutely shitted in. Um yeah, the Mark Rowie, higher than Joe Cocker. Uh, geez, you played up on that, didn't you? And that was because you did get at least a couple inches off the ground. But geez, what a great, what a, what a great memory that is, Rowie. Well, I get embarrassed when that comes up because people Rowie. that tell the story, you, you expect it to be a, um, <laughs> you know, Jessalinko, you little beauty. Yeah. <laughs> I was as high as a coke can. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Is is the modern day version of that Rory Sloan's from last year over Bokey? Yeah, a little nearly, bit. Yeah, nearly, yeah. nearly identical. Yeah, yeah very yeah. similar. Yeah. But the look but on your I, face was superb, bro. Yeah, yeah, I reckon that. Yeah. I reckon that was oh. a big part of it. And yeah, you know, we'd won by that stage, so it, it was you know, um, party time. Yeah, it was, and, and it was it was great to be well in front of you in a grand final against Port Adelaide. So. Well, there was a lot of emotions going through me that day because yeah. I, I always knew if I won a flag, I'd finish. We thank Stephen Rowe there for part one of his interview. And um, we know Rowie's a passionate South Australian and loves the Nord Footy Club. And, yeah, just really good to see that, um, you know, him open up a little bit about his time over in Perth and a few things along that line. Passionate is the word for Rowie. Uh, not backward and coming forward. Um yeah, yes. It's a great. It was a great. Yes. I mean, we, 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 I would have loved to have played the whole interview, but that would have taken us past the two-hour mark as far as our podcast go. But yeah, he certainly gave us some gold along the way, and um, yeah, part one was good, but part two maybe just that little bit better. So we're just teasing that one there as we go along. Yes. All right, mate. Let's move on to happy days. Comment, Wally May. No comment. Good comment, Wally. <laughs> Back from old time callers. Well, uh, old time. Sample people will certainly remember that. Absolutely. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Happy Days. All right, mate. Uh, happy days today has got a bit of a theme to it. I, I really haven't done themes for happy days, but on this one I couldn't resist. All of these events, apart from our first happy birthday, happened on a leap year. Oh, well played. Uh, so an honourable mention to AFL player this year of Matthew Cottrell from Carlton is the only player AFL player to be born on a leap year. So we'll leave that one there, yep. honourable mention. Um, but Tom Duday, we thought we'd give a bit of a shout-out to Tom Duday, obviously an Adelaide player there, St. Joseph's in Geelong, uh, obviously college there. Duday excelled as a junior basketballer yeah. uh, from the age of six, obviously point guard at the Geelong Supercats junior teams. He also played junior football for St. Joseph's in the Geelong Football League. And then obviously Victorian country, uh, not only in basketball, but 
also football. Duday was drafted by Adelaide with their second selection or the 17th overall in the 2015 draft. Bit of a shame to lose Tom Duday from the Crows, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm still disappointed by that. I think probably both parties could have done that better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, knee Rico did make it more. That's where managers come in and probably don't do everything as well as could be yep. as well. And Best for the yeah, player. I, I'm, yeah, I'm disappointed with that. I, I I do think both that could have been handled better and he should still be a crow. Absolutely. Move on. Uh, Tom obviously made his debut for the Crows in a 12-point loss in 2018 against uh, Essendon at Etihad Stadium uh, in the opening round. His second match was a 36-point win against Richmond at the Adelaide Oval um, and... Round two of the season, Duday recorded 25 disposals, six marks, and earned the AFL Rising Star nomination. So you're right, a big loss for the Crows on that count. All right, let's move on. As I said, our theme today is events that happened on a leap year. Uh, We'll go to cricket in 1988. uh, New Zealand cricket batsman Mark Greatbatch scores the unbeaten 107 on debut and rescues a draw in the second test against England at Eden Park. It goes back too to our pre, where we were talking previously earlier in the show mm. about a batsman batting ugly. He also did that again in against Australia in Perth as well, where Just he was a goer at the start, general great, but he adjusted his game accordingly. So, yeah, that's probably a, a perfect example. Absolutely. All right, we move on to golf. 1948, Lawson Little earns his first tournament victory since the U.S. Navy discharged discharged him, uh, cap, capturing the St. Petersburg Open by three strokes over Bobby Locke. He's the last golfer to win a PGA event on a leap year. Fair name too, just quietly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a bit hard to say anything else on that one. <laughs> That's right. Uh, again, last PGA tournament on a leap year. It's interesting that none has linked up uh, during that period as well. So yeah. anyway, we move on. 1976 uh, with our theme of leap years this year in car racing. American driver Richard Petty wins the only Winston Cup race that is run, run and won on a leap year. Yeah, so again, a fair effort and... A legend of the sport, obviously, over in America there uh, with Richard Petty there and um, doing it in pretty fine style, winning by two laps as probably well. Probably here will be just be interesting now. You've probably opened up. Well, I'll actually follow a bit more to see what the hell's happening this year mm-hmm. on. On the Daytona the 500 yeah, and all that. All that. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. That's what the show's all about. Yeah. Sort of steering us in different directions all the time. And to finish us off this year in 1964, the Olympics a name that is synonymous with Australian swimming. Uh, Dawn Fraser records her fastest 100-metre freestyle in a brilliant career and smashes her own world record of 58.9 seconds yeah. in Sydney. Goes on to win her third Australian gold in the event at Tokyo at the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, uh, incredible swimmer. All-time legend. Not only is a swimmer. And obviously our theme of... Uh, Digging up a little bit of dirt on a leap year is complete because that's all I could yeah, pretty much will yeah. find. So, all right, let's scoot into the extra time. Big, big finish. Extra time. Big finish. All right, the Olympics will start to move up the batting order a little bit as we get a little bit closer, but I just want to throw a couple of things out there a little bit at the moment. 
What sports do you look forward to at the Paris 2024 Olympics? Look, as Australian, yes, the swimming, because let's be honest, that's where we're dominant with medals. And, yep. and, and, and you probably then get involved more at the time, you know, and that. So I'll probably, swimming for me, yes, because of the thing, but you then just got to wait and see a little bit as well. And then someone, you know, like a, Dean Luke and jump comes out of nowhere, and then we remember that. Yes. You know, if there's an Australian, I think there's you know, a couple of Australians considered chances in athletics. If that does happen, you yeah, that then captures us. So it's it's exciting, you know, but unknown. It, it is, and like I enjoy water polo, and it's probably the only time I ever watch water polo. If I'm being honest, yep. apologies, Raf Sturt. There, um, yeah. So it's. Bit more, I think, what grabs you at the time. That's how I. Yep, and that's what the Olympics, Olympics is. I mean, yeah. it's a two weeks festival of sports. Yeah. Uh, I think Australia competing in thirty two sports at the moment. So yeah. there's a lot to choose from. But you're right. You sort of do look towards the pool to steer the direction of to how the Olympics are going to yeah. going to take off. And then there's the rowing, and uh, you're right, weightlifting. The uh, the athletics is going to be very very interesting this year. Uh, where do we see the Olympics ending up? Do we see it facing the same fate as the Commonwealth Games where it does become a little bit harder to sort of get behind? I'm almost do think it could become at one venue. I you know, I I know that you know, you want it to go around the world and all that, but the financial problems which occurs afterwards and you've now got Brisbane there, there's the debate, what in the hell with the Gabba, what do we do with opening ceremony? Mm-hmm. Like it is a worry after what happened with the Commonwealth Games. And the financial implications everywhere. You almost think that's why I bring that up. Yeah, do they build something somewhere? And that's where it is. Yeah, you, know, you, you can certainly make a pretty good case for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, could Australia be a place that could do that, or is is that a little bit too far fetched at this stage? Yeah, look, I don't think they'd want us to have it all the time for the time zone and things like that. We're not the major country in that regard. so that, That's why I sort yeah, of ask. Yep. Yeah, I think unlikely. All right. Mate, we move on to the NBA. Miami's Thomas Bryant and New Orleans' Jose Alvarado received multiple game suspensions for leaving the bench during an altercation. You don't see too many altercations on a basketball no. court, but they copped a fair whack. Yeah, it didn't muck around. So, well... Do the crime, do the time. Bit of push, bit of shove. All right, we move on to the NBL. 36 is a point, Scotty Ninnis. Was it too soon? Were there other options? You don't know, but it does seem to have been pretty well received by the basketball community, which I found quite interesting. So, look, you won't, again, won't see, but hopefully that Humphrey, hopefully that helps keep Humphreys, things like that. Mm-hmm. You do wonder if that was part of it. Um I mean, Gorgian was one that was thrown up there. Yeah. Wealth of experience. Again, then financially, you wonder whether that whether that then comes into play as well. Can we afford it? So, probably a lot of things happening there behind the scenes. That was probably don't quite know enough yeah, about. That was probably where I was thinking that they might have got Scotty a little bit cheaper. Which obviously, you know, the clubs obviously got to look at all of these yeah. different scenarios. They might have got him just a touch cheaper. Not. Um, putting down any of his coaching style at all. I think he can coach, and we saw that at the beginning of 2024, but he now gets an opportunity to take um, his uh, coaching style. He gets to recruit the players he wants and builds the team he wants. 
So it'll be very, very interesting. And like you said, it's it's been great that it's been re- received very, very well. That a yeah. you know a local is getting to take charge of the thirty sixes. Yep. So yep. anyway, all right, we move on, uh, mate. You've got a little bit of an announcement to make. Um, a, a player we're sort of looking for through the history books. Yeah, look, Chris Brown, a fantastic Nord historian, did message me about. Albie Green. So Albie Green was the first McGarry medal was awarded in 1898 to Nord's Albie Green. Mm-hmm. He was elite, he also played for Geelong from 1891 to 93. First class cricketer for South Australia. He played with George Giffen's Australian Eleven in 1897 alongside Giffen, Joe Darling, Clem Hill, Sid Gregory, and Ernie Jones. So big cricket names there. Yep. Also the winner of the 1901 SA Tennis Championships handicap singles, doubles with best friend and Australian Test cricket captain Clem Hill, mixed doubles. He was a crack pigeon shot horseman, rower, athlete, cyclist. On Wednesday, the 28th of February, it will be 112 years to the day since Albie Green mysteriously disappeared from a private hospital in Sydney in 1912. He's never seen again. In 1935, his McGarry medal turned up because that had also disappeared. It was believed to have been in a pawnbroker's shop in Sydney. Nord's fantastic, legendary benefactor, Ted Heiderich, bought the medal and presented it to the club where it remains, obviously, the treasured artefact. Yep. Probably the main one, really. Yes. Um, in Nord's magnificent collection. No one still knows with Abby Green. There's been a couple of leads a little bit more, but look, still desperate to find him and, and have a grave. And you know, there's not even there's not a death certificate. Mm-hmm. So look, Chris Brown with Sue Compton and Mark Giles are doing everything. And there's been a couple of leads, and um, which Ben Hook gave some coverage in the Sunday Mail. Look, it'd be fantastic if something happens. And all the best to Chris. And Sue and Mark and Nord Footy Club in their endeavours in that regard. And trust me, there's been a lot of things happening with it. Mm-hmm. And Chris is a determined bugger. Yes. And he, he's really, they're really having a crack and you know, following everything. And we can only hope. So all the best there. We might put that up on our socials, uh, try and get it out there. We do have yeah. a reasonable number of uh, people on our social media. But, yeah, I think it's just about getting the word out there. And like you said, we if we can do our part and be part of solving this mystery, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, it would become the oldest mystery ever uncovered. So, yeah, all the best, uh, best to Chris there. Absolutely, we'll um, we'll follow that one up with um, yeah some excitement if uh, we we get any news for sure. All right, mate. Just to finish us off a little bit, um, we've got some golf. Um, Son of a gun shoots a nightmare eighty six. I feel like this is good. Um, I've shot an 86 before and uh, at a pre-qualifying event for a PGA Tour. Yeah. Um, we have to remember he's only 15 years yeah, of age too. Yeah. We're talking about Charlie Woods. Yeah, so, oh, look, I'd probably have a two, three, a four or a five in front of that 86, mate. So, yeah, I'm not having a crack. <laughs> Fair call. All right, to finish, off, finish us off today, a couple of little general things that come across the desk and I don't mind having a bit of a talk yep. about. Uh, who are you taking at their best? Dusty, Dangerfield, or Fife? Oh, look, while <laughs> I love Dangerfield, yep. but Dusty's Mr. September. You can't. You can't argue, you can you? You just can't. You know, Norm Smith, Norm Smith look, he might have been lucky a bit on one of those, on one of those mm-hmm. particularly, but he's still the man in terms of thing. And you can say the shoot-off, Dusty beat Danger at uh, at the Gabba. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. 
Uh, it sort of leads us into, obviously, we did our trade, uh, re-sign and retire as last year sort of went about. Yeah. This is just a little bit of a taste for yep. for this year, and I can't disagree with you, mate. I think Dusty all the way. Uh, you're right, Mr. September. Um, just to finish this off on the AFL as well, mid-season trade for the AFL, yes or no? How do you think it could work? I, I still don't think it's been explained enough yet. And look... I hate the mid-season draft where it affects the other leagues. Mm-hmm. I detest that. You know, although I have heard Barmy with the other side and went through what they were going to do with Pickett, and they and they did. Yes. Um, and that's I've heard both sides on that. Yeah, but that's the exception to the rule, though. Yeah, it really. Is. Um, you know, Will Snelling got some. You know, there's, so there's people that has benefits. So you can't say that. But I just think it's not doesn't pay the competitions. That, the other respect. That's what I hate mm-hmm. about it. Whereas this seems to be a little bit more so trading within AFL within clubs. And yeah. Then they're saying so you may get say all of a sudden Collingwood's still in the you know in the premiership window. Cameron goes down in the ruck. Yep. They decide right who's a ruckman around who's you know on the fringe, fringe needs a little and, bit of time. Yeah, whatever. And yep. Yeah. So there's things there does say Western Bulldogs are way out of the equation. Do they there go for English the rest of the year. So we just don't really know. Yep. Yeah, so I, I think that's where for me... There's I'd a like lot of grey areas yeah, at the moment. It's a bit moment. too much grey for yep. mine at the moment. Do you like the concept, though? Mixed. Okay. Mixed. No, fair call. I'm, I'm more happier with that than I am with the with the other competitions. Yes. The state leagues. Yes. But I, I'd like some more information yet. Yep. I thought that's where you might go with that, that you, yeah. you're a little bit on the yes side for the yeah. fact that it's within AFL yes. circles rather yes. than taking from... The Waffle, the VFL, yep. the SNFL. Yep. Uh, and, you know, opportunities, obviously, for those players to, to, to play. Um, it may not become that much of an issue if an AFL reserves competition yeah. gets up and running. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of grey areas yeah. there. Mate, just to finish us off today, obviously, there's a bit of a watch and see with a list of free agents for 2024. I know this man is on your radar and you'd absolutely love to have him at the Crows, and that is Tim English. Could the Crows get him? Yeah, maybe. Bit of ironry there because if the recruiting committee had got their way, he would have been a Crow. Um, Don Pike wanted the midfielder. That was where Gallucci came into the vogue. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, so it's actually ironic. The cases of where that's happened where the coach insists on a player and then bees the stuff up, Trust me, there's plenty of examples. Absolutely. English, he'd be 26 uh, going on 27. He's currently played 116 games. He's in that sweet spot of what we talked about in that he 100 is, games, isn't he? Would he want to go back to Perth? You don't know. So let's, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But he would certainly help Adelaide. Absolutely. And there's a list of other players that we yep. could go on about. We might add that to next week's uh, run sheet, a little bit more depth. But I thought I'd just bring up the team, yep. Tim English because obviously you've been... Pretty hot on that. Any goods, bads, or the uglies for this week, mate? Yeah, bad and ugly. Sam Powell Pepper. Yep. Dumb, 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 dumb. Feckle. Fucking dumb. Can't disagree with you on that one there. My good is that we're going to see some SNFL football, even if it's at the SNFLW level, um, and some trial games coming up over the next couple of weeks. So yep. that's exciting. And obviously, um, you know, the. Gather round the state of origin being played down at the bay. I think it's another real positive yeah. as well. Yep. Uh, as I said, I'd like to maybe throw it out there that could they 
bring a bit of a carnival where there are other other states because you do have supporters that are traveling from interstate, which would be really, really good. Fair point. Absolutely. All right, mate, that is, we're going to wind that up. Uh, For today, it's been another huge episode. Thank you once again. Thank Rowie. Obviously, we split his interview up and really look forward to hearing that on the playback. Um, And um, as per usual, mate, we promise to do better next week. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCastSA. We'll see you next time on Game On.